Hello and welcome to another Sustainable Wine Podcast with me, Hannah Homari. I'm delighted to be sitting down with Paul Espitalia, who is the president of the Chablis Commission of the Burgundy Wine Board. So, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Hello. As many of our listeners will know, the Chablis region is the northernmost wine district of the Burgundy region in France, and it's very much known for producing very distinctive Chardonnay wines that would often be characterized as flinty, mineral, and high in acidity. Perhaps you can start off by telling us a little bit about the Chablis region and the specific conditions that allow it to produce this distinctive type of Chardonnay. As you said, we are north of the Burgundy region, so that means that we do have quite a cool climate compared to the south of Burgundy. But what makes really Chablis distinctive is a special terroir, because we have a chance to have a limestone rock called the Chimeridien, that gives a very specific taste to our Chablis. It's a fossilized oyster that gives a lot of saltiness, you said flint and mineral style to our Chablis wines. So it's both the climate and the earth and the limestone that gives this specific taste to our Chablis. As you said, a lot of the Chablis' unique characteristics come from the terroir, so the limestone, clay, and so on. But as you mentioned, the cool climate is also key for producing the high acid wine. So Undoubtedly, the warming climate poses a significant threat to the region. So could you tell us a little bit more about the climate risks that you're seeing in Chablis and what kind of impacts you've seen in vineyards so far? Of course, we notice a change in the climate. And we usually we said that before 87, it was a reference period because for 30 years, we did have quite a cool climate and late harvest compared to today. And we gained one degree of the average temperature, gained one degree in our region. So we do have a great impact in the weather and in the style of the wine too, because the more, more sun, more heat, more sun, the direct effect is that it will change a little bit the style of the Chablis with less acidity. So today we are quite happy with the result because we have very good balance between sugar and acidity and we make really good Chablis where in the past years sometimes it was a bit too acid, a bit too dry and we even needed to add some sugar some years to rise a little bit the alcohol content. Now we have naturally well-balanced wines so the effect is quite positive for us but we are aware that in the future it could be a problem. Let's talk a little bit about the recent harvest. The 2021 harvest saw historically low volumes, and then the season had a challenging start with spring frosts in April, and then, of course, the extreme heat waves over the summer. Can you tell us a little bit about the 2022 harvest and the expectations for the vintage? We were a little bit afraid in early April because we did have some frost, but we were lucky in the fact that the buds just starting growing, and the effect was very limited, in fact. Some area of Chablis were earlier, we had some problems, a little bit of, uh, we lost a little bit of crop, but globally uh, the effect was very limited. After that we had again quite a mid-temperature level during spring, but we did have a heat wave during the summer. We were quite afraid to lose some production with the, the drought and the heat, but we were lucky to have some rain mid-August, so the vine was able to start working and produce sugar. The result really is a good balanced vintage this year because we have both the fruit of the ripe Chardonnay but also the freshness of the terroir of Chardonnay. Oh, that's great to hear and certainly that's something that's becoming more rare to hear given the extreme weather conditions that we're facing. The level of production is more or less the maximum we can do for the appellation of Chablis. 
we will have quite a lot of wine to sell for next year, which is a good use because in for the 21 vintage, we did about 40% of the usual crop. So it's a return to a normal crop and quite a nice wine and interesting volumes to sell. So it's a good news for us. So going back to the topic of spring frosts, these seem to be a recurring trend in Chablis. Is this a longer term characteristic of the region that's now getting worse? And how are winemakers adapting? We are quite used to have spring frost. And we did have very bad spring frost 20 years ago or even before, because the climate was cooler. We are used to fight against the spring frost. What is different today is that as the climate is warming a little bit, the bud starts earlier in the season. And that makes the risk of frost even worse than we used to have. So in the past 10 years, we did have three bad frosts and lost quite a lot of crop. We kind of forgot how to fight the frost because people, for during the, the period to 2000 to 2010, stopped using this process to compete against the frost. But now it's back on the, it's a big topic for us. We are thinking of different methods to avoid this frost. We have several systems today in Chablis. One which is very efficient is to sprinkle water on the buds, on the vines, when it's freezing. So uh, it's a strange effect, but when you have ice around the buds, it will protect the buds, in fact. So this is one of the methods. The problem is that it needs quite a lot of water. So in some area, we did uh, artificial lakes to keep the water during winter and to use it in the springtime. So this helps, but again, water is a precious uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thing. So it's uh, one of the problems of this method. So we are now more and more investing in heating wires that we fix directly on the vine on the lower wire and this will heat in the distance of about 10 centimeters around this heating wire and prevent the frost. So this is quite easy to use because it's fully automatic. It will turn on when it's freezing and turn off when there's no need to protect the vines. So in terms of investment required from winemakers, is that a fairly cost-effective method? It is quite effective because the average price would be 30,000 euro per hectare, which is something. But when you produce Chablis and Chablis Premier Cru or Grand Cru, it's worth it. So I'd love to hear a bit more about other climate adaptation strategies and practices in the region. How are winemakers adapting to higher temperatures, for instance? The direct effect today of temperature change and climate change is that, in fact, it's more easy to grow vines in Chablis today. Because, again, we have drier climate. The direct effect is that we don't need to treat as much of the vine that we used to do against diseases like mildew or idiom. Because when you have a very uh, humid climate, the threat is very high. So now, the good effect is that we have less treatments on the vines. So it's interesting for especially to the growing organic vines and of course uh, less treatment is less uh, use of carbon uh, because you use less uh, tractor to treat the vines. So it's a good direction, but the danger will be that sometimes it's getting too hot, we can have damage on the grapes directly because when the sun hits the grapes and when it's very hot, you can literally burn the grapes. You finish, you have dry grapes, so it is a problem for us too. So we do adapt a little bit because 20 years ago, the goal was to have grapes with a maximum of air around and the sun on the grapes. 
now we are thinking of protecting the grapes. So we keep more leaves around the grapes. Again, it's a change. The madness on the grapes is different. It was the disease a few years ago. Now it's more the sun and the heat. So this is one of the easy methods to avoid the grapes from burning. The other change is that we must be much more careful regarding the date where we harvest. A few years ago, the goal was to have a maximum of sugar, <laughs> and sometimes we needed to wait quite a long time. It meant that we did harvest at the end of September or early October. For the past 10 years, we got about two weeks in the date of the harvest. So we do harvest now at the beginning of September, sometimes even at the end of August. And we must be very careful because this period is much more hot and the evolution for maturity is very quick. So we must be careful to pick the grapes quite early. For the 18 vintage, for example, in some area of Chablis, we had uh, Chablis with more than uh, 13 degrees of alcohol, sometimes 14, which is a bit too high. So we gain with uh, a change of the habits because we need to be very careful to check the evolution of the maturation much more early and we start picking grapes mid-August follow the evolution of sugar. You mentioned organic. Are you able to say what percentage of Chablis have converted to organic and do you think that's the future direction of travel for the region? There's quite a revolution around organic wine in Chablis because five years ago there was a limited amount of Chablis with organic production. Now in the last three years we multiplied by three organic vines and today we are around 17% of the vineyard which is organic. So 17 is the average organic vine that you will find in France. So it means that we are not above average, mm -hmm. but we are gaining a lot each year. We are having more and more new organic vines. And do you see from the consumer perspective, do you see that there's a higher demand for organic wines? Or are you seeing them respond in a specific way? Why people are turning to organic is really because they want to produce organic wine more than to respond to a client or customer needs because today, of course, there is a little market for organic wines, but it's not the first reason, I think, why we are turning to organic production in China. It's really a new generation of people, young people who studied viticulture and coming back to Chablis and starting this type of production because it means really something for them and they are willing to produce organic wines. Now let's talk a little bit about emissions reductions. I read that Wines of Burgundy is aiming for the region to achieve carbon neutrality by 2035, which is certainly an ambitious target. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how the region is planning on achieving that? Yes, it's a big project for us, for all Burgundy and Chablis. It's an evolution on the way we think the wine business and the production of the wine. First step for us was to find out where we were about the carbon dioxide. And after that, we will think how to reduce these effects of mainly carbon dioxide. So it will be one of the sources can be bottles, of course, because to produce bottles, you need a lot of energy. If you use lighter bottles, there's less energy needed to produce bottles. So this is one of the first things that we thought about. All around the packaging, for us, we were thinking about changing the labels, the cases. A topic, very important topic for us today. We see more and more electric tractors in the vines. When you produce organic wine, for example, you need to work more in the vines. So it can be a solution to have electric tractors instead of classical diesel one, <laughs> of course. 
So we are also aware that we need to change some of our methods for shipping the wine to traveling around the world to sell our wines. And all that, all together, we also need to plant uh, trees where we can. 2035 is tomorrow. <laughs> so it's quite ambitious, but we are all working together for this. So we've talked a little bit about climate adaptation and mitigation. Are there any other major sustainability initiatives or milestones in the Chablis region that you'd like to mention? We are thinking about the evolution in a few years' time. One of the problems we have on vines is the treatment. We do have now varieties of vine which are resistant to disease like oidium and mildew. So this could be a way to do less treatments on the vines. The problem for us today is that it's not allowed. For usually uh, new things come from Champagne in France and in Champagne they are allowed a grape called uh, Voltis which can be quite close to Chardonnay in fact. I think we will try this type of grapes in the future to see if the result is interesting for Chablis. So this is one of the possibilities that we have. To adapt to the climate, what we are thinking also is to try new types of Chardonnay because the Chardonnay vine that we use today in Chablis was selected to produce quite a lot of sugar and to have a good balance regarding the climate we had 20 or 30 years ago. Of course, today it's a bit different. So it could be interesting to have a Chardonnay type of vine, which will be with more acidity and less sugar at the beginning. 20 or 30 years ago, they weren't interesting because they meant that the wine was too low in alcohol and too acid. But now they can be interesting. Where do you see Chablis in 10 years? Where would you like the sustainability agenda to head and what do you see as the next steps? What I'm quite sure is that Chablis will remain in Chablis because we are lucky to have an incredible terroir in Chablis. This makes really Chablis particular because, again, the Kimmeridgian limestone gives the type of Chablis to Chablis. The evolution could be by trying new types of Chardonnay and even new grapes varieties to adapt to the change of the climate. But this is a long-term experiment to do and to be sure that we will still do the same type of wine, the same taste of wine. There will be a little evolution in the wine type with more fruit, more roundness, a little bit more alcohol and less acidity, but still with saltiness and minerality that comes from the terroir. Well, Paul, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing your insights. To our listeners, if you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to head over to the Sustainable Wine website where you can find much more content and podcasts and sign up to our bi-weekly newsletter to make sure that you're kept up to date. 